covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome in, fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Kalman in, as always, at the hosting chair alongside my good buddy, pal, partner in crime. You name it, he is the guy alongside me on the right side of the screen. It is Jim Mernier. Jim, welcoming you on in. New episode again. We're back on the weekly schedule of things, mm-hmm. kind of you know talking all things National Real League as we may. Uh, and today... We are going to be getting a little deeper into an analyzing at least players that we'll be watching out for. Before we get into that, of course, I want to—I have to before we move on—have to say, ask you how how are things? How are you doing? How has your week been, my friend? Week's been fine. Beautiful weather down here in Florida, especially here in Jacksonville. I know a lot of people around the nation are freezing their butts off, um, but we're perfect here in Florida. Um, nice. But yeah. Uh, we're we're entering the stage where allergies become an issue for me. Um, there's been pollen everywhere because it's the trees think it's time to be spring, and we we're still about a month away from that. Excuse me, uh, it's February. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but yeah, we're we're starting to get to a weekly schedule backed into things. So starting the season, so episode eighty three, we've done this for three years. So hey, yeah. we got you ready for the upcoming season and you can't take days off. And with the players are training, we got to be training too. So it's it's pretty fun, pretty interesting. And hey, let's talk about some football. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, a few things before we also get started, by the way. If you haven't followed us on social media, at Pod again, at in walls pod on facebook instagram and twitter uh also if you're wanting to subscribe you know we got the big red button below here if you're watching us on the youtube version or if you're listening to the podcast and are curious about the video version uh go over to our youtube click that red button and as we also borrowed from a show i am on click that bell builds morale uh Mm -hmm. helps us out gives you a chance to continue to watch these shows and you don't miss a show that's the key thing when you hit that bell too and in the description by the way you want to check out the discord we got a pretty good discord community that's growing as well for inside the walls uh talk all things arena or indoor football as need be on that discord recommend you go check that out in the description below all right jim it's episode Mm -hmm. 83 we are talking today breakout players for this season and here's the thing we got to go through these rosters we're looking for guys that you know maybe they had a season off maybe they're new to the arena scene Mm -hmm. or at least this league maybe they were trying to analyze for example like west texas that's a new roster that has new guys looking for that next kali rashad type of character in in terms of i guess that's the best comparison for you folks out there so we're going to go through all seven teams. Mm-hmm. Jim and I have picked at least one player a roster that we're going to give our takes on breakout players for this season. Uh, and if you want to, and especially on the YouTube version, feel free to hit the comments below. Tell us what you think. And on social, tell us what you think as well. We love hearing back from fans mm-hmm. on their opinions as well. And uh, let's get this underway in alphabetical order. So the Albany Empire, let's kick this thing off with the championship Albany Empire, you know, the three-time champion Albany Empire, back-to-back champion mm-hmm. Albany Empire. Um, some some roster changes, a lot of key stars are still here, but Jim, there are a few people that we have at least pegged that could be in for a breakout season that now might be on this team. Well, when you look at a championship roster, it's very hard to try to find breakout players on these rosters because usually these teams have a lot of returning stars. Uh, how we did our curriculum on breakout players is they can a they should they did not win a award last year. Our NAL first team, NAL second team, 
a player of the year, Ironman. Um, so all the big time stars that we last year, they are not eligible for it. But that doesn't mean they will be breakout stars. You expect stars to be stars. That's I'm saying stars too many times, but get my get my point. <laughs> sure. uh, that's how that's how we're going to do it. And how we're how we're going to do this is I'll pick a player and he pick a player. Um, but it you're going to hear some guys here that are very common names in the arena game. But you're going to hear some guys you're like, oh, oh okay, let, why? Uh, for me, um, for Albany, you're looking at this roster. It's very hard to pick players, but there is a family in the Albany area um, that's going to be, is going to play Albany football. And his father was a AFL uh, Albany Firebirds vet, um, David Patton. So I would like to see the breakout kid, Daquan Patton, son, of course, played at Western Carolina University. He was a specialist. He was a speed demon with the Catamounts there in Western Carolina. Uh, go, if you have a chance, ladies and gentlemen, go watch the highlights of him in high school and college. He can take the ball back. And the reason why I think he's going to be a breakout player is because of the Nets and the National Arena League. Uh, kick returners are going to feast on that. And sometimes you, if Prince wants to rest or if Hollis wants to rest, you put a kid back there that has history of returning kicks. And I think Daquan could be that player, um, and especially he has a reputation to live up to. Uh, usually sons that follow their fathers in a professional sport or in this case, a professional team, have a lot to uh, live up to, especially um, if there's a legacy in any sport, basically. But mm -hmm. I like Daquan Patton. I, I kind of fell – I watched a couple of his highlights to see what he can do. He's, a again, a speed demon. He will be the – in my opinion, he will be the Kali Rashad's, uh, the Darian Thompson, or Thompson's – not Darian Thompson. Yeah, Darian Thompson, the Jacksonville Sharks, yeah. and Townsend. Um, the Kellys – the French Chinolas, those guys who were, you know, kick returns when they first introduced the game. And I think he'll be that for the Albany Empire this year. Uh, what about you, Zach? Yeah, well, look, I like Pat, and that was actually someone I considered myself. Uh, and again, the story, that, that's that's a cool little, little tie-in, you know. Oh, yeah. all, you know, son to an Albany Firebirds vet. Again, a lot of Firebirds nostalgia around there, as we've seen. They raised the banner last year for their championships. That's that's a pretty cool story to have, and I hope that he succeeds. I actually am going with someone that is coming over from the USFL as a recent signee for the Albany Empire, and someone that is, well, he was part of my favorite team, as you can see on my uh, shirt right here, the Michigan Panthers. Uh, mm -hmm. Joseph Putu, uh, Florida Florida grad there, uh, defensive back, listed as a looks to be a specialist at defensive back from at least what is recorded on the roster transaction. And honestly, I think that this is a, this is a dude that I thought played some solid ball last year. Um, look, the Panthers might have been two and eight, but they did have some ballers on there. You know, he did have his moments. I thought thought last season that I thought he shined, and I think that he has a good chance of transitioning to the arena game pretty well not to mention you know i think that you're not trying to get him to you know he gets to play his natural position at least if they're going with what is on the roster where he's labeled as just a db then mm -hmm. he gets to be playing specialty db i would not be surprised if he's going to be one of their starting defensive backs come the beginning of the season and i think he's going to be a possible breakout candidate to get an all nal nod um similar to how like say uh, justin alexander who came basically was up at one of the top higher up leagues came in at, in san antonio last year got his all nal nod now he's over in with the brahmas in town i could see putu being that type of guy where you know he excels at this level um 
and should cause some problems for some of the arena teams in this league, at least enough scoring still is high, of course, but he'll definitely cause some problems where it's going to be, you get that one or two drives that flips a game in your favor. Well, you brought up a good point with Jackson. Um, he came down from a upper league, XFL, USFL, came to the San Antonio, won the annual first team. Now he's up with the Brahmas, and he made the roster. He made the team up there in mm -hmm. San Antonio. So congrats to him. Uh, I like seeing arena guys thrive in upper leagues because I think uh, arena guys get disrespected, and that they're great, talented players. And he had his time to shine. And, well, um, uh, Putu. Is that what he says? Name yeah, I don't want to mispron—I don't want to mispronounce his last name. That's why. It's, it's uh, just a Pudu, yeah. Pudu. Uh, coming down from the USFL, he could have the same thing. Go to Albany, play good DB, uh, get some more film, shine, and get a chance to get called to the CFL, XFL, USFL, or the big league NFL. So opportunities—that's that's one thing I like about the arena game. The opportunities these players get, and when they shine, they either fall low with the game and stay in the arena, or they get called up and move to the next level and it's all better. Like I always say, there's a chance a bigger league. You take it. You don't, sure. you don't stay, you don't settle. You want to improve each and every time you get. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, thinking about just Albany's structure they have, you know, they did, like I said, they brought back Dwayne Hollis who, you know, Hollis is listed this year also as just defensive back on his for specialists. So I'm just imagining that that is a pretty formidable, you know, if you're, I would say that's a very formidable secondary if you're able to have at least one or two of those guys you can sub out, you know, as that specialty player, you know, because mm -hmm. Pudu could stay that and say if Hollis is your starter, Joseph Putu is your, you know, your backup specialty yeah. defensive back, you can rotate him out and, you know, exactly. keep a pretty consistent level in the secondary. In that and, and that was very common throughout the league. Like you look down in Orlando, you had Brandon Fuentes and Josh Jenkins returning kicks and Clarence mm -hmm. Williams. So you had that rotation back there. And then, of course, you have, you know, Kendrick Ings, Adam Smith, um, uh, James Summers in Carolina, who did it a couple of times. In Jacksonville, you have Naquan Murray and Rob Jones. So right. you to be a very good uh, specialist, a team that's going to specialize in special teams, you want more than just one return. If you can get multiple back there, that's a win. Um, and, yeah, I think that can happen in Albany. Yeah. Uh, honorable mention I did have before I saw Puto on the roster again, uh, Anthony Cruz. I think he had some fla he had some flashes in Orlando. I think he could be mm -hmm. someone uh, playing that Ironman setup of receiver linebacker. Uh, yeah. Could be a, could be someone that breaks out or has a good – does a great job when needed for uh, filling in for, say, like a, say, ha say Hager, you know, yeah. short spending where he's playing. So – um, that's another one I'm keeping an eye on as well. Well, the guy that I was going to keep an eye on um, got called up to the CFL. Speaking of players getting well, moved yeah. up, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vinny Tessaverde Jr. got uh, his opportunity in the CFL, so congratulations to him. And that's a legacy mm. player right there too. His dad is a big time uh, NFL legend in some cities. You may um, have heard of Vinny Tessaverde yeah. Sr. <laughs> yeah, may have heard. Uh, you may have heard the slang his father got in many cities called Interceptor Verde. Um, he did that one year. That's still the reason why he got that name is because he threw, I think, like 34 interceptions or something like that one year. He, like, yeah. no, he, no, 28, and Jameis broke his record. That's right. <laughs> I see. So, I see. um, but yeah, uh, congratulations to Vinny Testaverde Jr. going up to the CFL. Um, again, opportunities take him when you get him, but yeah, that was going to be my guy until I looked on the roster. I'm like, oh, he's no longer in off, and he got up to the <laughs> CFL. 
Uh, but again, congrats. congratulations to him. Congrats. Yeah, very much congrats to him. Looking forward to seeing his journey in the CFL as it goes down for this season. And yeah, find out how things go, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but happy to see he gets to move on up. Um, moving on down. Let's go down the list once more. Go to the Carolina Cobras heading on over to North Carolina in Greensboro to see that roster. And we've, again, been analyzing some things. And honestly, I think a lot of this comes down for Carolina, just some of the people that aren't there. Uh, mm -hmm. opens up opportunities for others to shine or rekindle some things. I know that, and uh, I think that one of them to me, who I thought he had flashes, he was a great supporting role character. That was one thing Carolina did great last year anyway, was Jonathan Bain spreading out the ball very well. Yeah. But I think that this year, Lance Evans is going to increase his production very much so. Um, with the absence of both Ings and DJ Myers. Myers, of course, went up after winning Ironman of the year. He is now with the Memphis Showboats in the USFL. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Ings, he is over in Fayetteville. So that leaves a bit of a hole for the receiving core to fill. And I kind of got my eyes on Lance Evans, you know, and I think he was a solid DB last year. Um, I think that he's going to be able to get much more receiving production. I think he's got a good chance of, mm -hmm. you know, getting an, an all NAL nod in one of those roles. Well, what's what's interesting about Carolina's situation last year, their receiving core was loaded. It was. It was James Summer, Kendrick Eanes, Lance Evans, um, and, and DJ Myers, and the list goes on. And you look at their staff now, Lance, uh, Lance Evans is there, and another guy, their fifth receiver. Adam Smith, <laughs> Adam Smith, quarterback <laughs> and emergency quarterback. Yes. Uh, Adam Smith popped out towards the end of the year. He played all 13, uh, well played 13 to 14 games last year, but he was never really like a, you know, standout. He did catch a touchdown earlier in the season, but it was Ings. It was, uh, DJ Myers. It was Lance Evans, uh, who was getting all the shine, uh, all the highlights. Well, it's because Bain was given passing the ball. That's what's so great about a quarterback like Bain. He can distribute a ball equally throughout every receivers. I have my breakout player for the Carolina Cobras. If he is shining, like if he's going to make that next step and Carolina, even though they have like, you look at the quarterback room. Now they signed another quarterback recently. They have some veterans that have, been there and done that so that quarter is going to be a battle um caroline can be very scary this season if they can get things going um and adam smith will be that guy um yeah. i think if he is shining if he becomes a receiver that's getting 50 receptions that's pretty dang good you're going to be in a, a, a clearly a number two receiver in the league i think like you said lance um lance evans is going to probably be the number one um maybe uh if he if he's going to step up to his role from like number three receiver last year, number four receiver is going to be number one. And, and Adams was number five. So he'll go to number two. Um, but yeah, if you, you look past it, Adams, uh, uh, Adam Smith's season last year, he had 28 receptions, 354 yards receiving three touchdowns and 13 games played. He played most of post mostly defense and special teams. That's what he did last year. He was always the fill-in guy and he always played DB. Um, and of course, emergency backup. Uh, he also had, uh, a, a, I think I read the stat right, like two passing touchdowns. So he did pass the rock. So uh, he had two emergency situations. But uh, again, Caroline's one of those teams where you look at the roster and you go, they were loaded last year in receiving core. They had a good quarterback. Now they bring in still veterans and leadership to quarterback. And you look at the receivers who will step into place. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we both got two guys that if they step up, uh, Carolina could be in a good position this year. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, defensively on the, on the outsides, I think they're locked down pretty well. Um, and quarterback room too in the front, in the front three, mm-hmm. I mean, you got Ziegler back, you know, we know we, what else can we say about McCollum's legacy in terms of arena? Yeah. Um, I actually had some people bring up cause they signed, they signed, of course, when we did the QB room rankings, they have uh, Eric Amon Caldwell, who is an IFL QB, but they also signed on, I guess, a really for some lower college circles, uh, Jeremy Hickenbottom or, or Hick, Hickbottom has yeah. uh, a pretty good following from Grambling State. So, you know, fascinating QB battle. I mean, McCollum to me still has the inside track, but that makes me wonder now, you know, who gets the number two QB? Because I, I mean, hey, you know, you want to have that security as well, but. I think they're like you're talking receivers in particular for the Cobras are going to be what you're watching. Um, I'll throw another honorable mention just because I was curious and uh, we'll go with uh, who was it there? I just darn it. I just lost. Yes. Uh, Corinne Preister uh, from Clemson, who also played at Washington State. Uh, He was with the Spokane Shock in 2021 um, listed as just a receiver. So maybe another option, you know, guy who's had some indoor arena football experience could Mm -hmm. be someone to watch out for, too. And he played with McCollum as well in Spokane. Well, that's a relationship right there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, my other my my mention is not really a breakout player. I just like to share love to get this guy Zach Brown. (laughs) Give the ball, of course, of course. Give the man the ball. (laughs) Give the man the ball. Yeah, gotta rep our guy Zach Brown on here, dude. I mean that that guy is that guy is just a joy to watch play, and is also a joy to hear hyping up games. Man, I love Mm -hmm. love his stuff. You know, and I mean, as we know, he'll probably be another candidate for. for an all I have NAL nod once more coming up. Correct. Without a doubt. Does that, yeah. Without he does it. It's, it's, it's like a tradition that keeps on giving, you know what he's going to do. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it for him. All right. Moving on. Now we're going to head over to Fayetteville. Now the in-state rival rivals as we're going to be kind of billing them for the Cobras as we got a few options again, Fayetteville off season wise, uh, mm-hmm. Some solid pickups this offseason. They have uh, positioned themselves to where if things play out, you know, if if Coach Gunnings has the right has the right setup and you know calling correct, they could be winning some games and could be in the thick of things for to us the mid pack. But hey, thing things it all depends on how this roster is put together. As we know, Raheem Cato's on there, Chris Page is on there, um, you know, you name it. Krendrick Ings is on there as well. As Trey options. Long, yeah, Trey Long, too. Um, and yeah, I'm going to say that, you know, I, it's it's hard for me. I, I was actually going to put, I was actually going to put this, and it, it, it's hard for me, but I'm going to almost out cop out here. I hate saying it, um, but I think Cato breaks out. And the only reason I say this is because I don't think he had flashes last year, but with him being released later, midway through the season, mm-hmm. I felt like his potential got capped. So I am picking him simply for the fact that. I think he is a breakout candidate for having another year under his belt and going somewhere that he's at least he's going to have talent around him as well that he can throw to, you know, um, I think he's the driving force to what makes or breaks, you know, Fayetteville as a competitor. And I'm going to be the optimist and say he has a breakout season for them. Well, uh, Kayla should, um, if he's having a breakout season, that means he is single-handedly basically carrying him throughout the year. Um, but for me, I will, I like, I would love to pick Cato, but you took Cato. Um, we basically share, share the same, um, uh, sentiment for Cato. For me, I'm going to be again, Trey Long. 
the reason why him, he has experience with the Carolina Cobras. He was always the third, fourth receiver in Carolina. Uh, he comes down to Carolina again with Kendrick Kings. So now he's the number two guy. If Cato is cooking or is he thriving, I think Trey Long eats um, on that team. There's a lot of guys on this roster that if you are – if you don't know who these players are, just based on their names, there's a lot of question marks. Like, well, this is his first time in the NAL. This is just, you know, this is his second year probably. Mm -hmm. uh, Fayetteville has a lot of guys with a lot of experience in the AAL to the NAL level, um, so it, it'll take time for them to gel. But you have experience. You have Trey Long, you have uh, Rakeem Cato, and you have uh, uh, Kendrick Kings in that roster. So you have leadership right there. Uh, it's always good to have a quarterback that's played the game again we have seen quarterbacks improve from year one to year two yep. um, um from looking like they're lost and having the disease fumble turnover disease to becoming one of the elite quarterbacks it happens um but look at cato he struggled in orlando started to get better as the season progressed just loss after loss close loss after close loss now he's in Fayetteville. He could, you know, be like what Sam Castronova did from Carolina to Albany. He can flip a switch in Fayetteville, and Fayetteville could be a threat in this year in, in 2023. Yeah, that's kind of what I think we're we're leaning on there for sure. Um, and yeah, that, that that's there's good picks like Trey Long. I can definitely mm -hmm. see, and that's going to be crucial. Like I said, getting reliable receiving receiving pieces, and I think also, like we've talked with Cato. Cato to me, if he's learned the games and slowed down the game for himself after having another year under his belt, you know, that will go wonders. So he doesn't have to have as many happy feet in the backfield too. Mm -hmm. not buying as much time, more decisive, finds the open man. Um, another honorable mention on the defensive end, and this is one that I did get some waves from uh, fans of the old AFL, the old AFL, of course, uh, Milton Williams, who signed on. Uh, he had once been with the brigade. Uh, he's listed as a defensive back linebacker on that mm -hmm. roster. Uh, he was originally a receiver, so interesting if that's the position change they are going with. But someone that at least has experience in this league, I could definitely see him stepping in, being a vet of a higher of a former league like that, and possibly making an impact right out of the gate. Again, like I said, there's there's veterans all over that Fayetteville team. It just takes time to gel and see how everything works. And again, the the better. Like what Mason said last week, if you have that middle guy that's solid there, you can really frustrate um, a team. And Mason yeah. even said, if you're if you're deep in the middle, from D D lineman to your middle safety or your their third DB, you have a good team. And we don't know, but possibly we could see uh, Will Williams approve and Cato. It, it, with expansion teams, it's very hard to find out what they can be until about two to three games of the season until you realize sure. who they are. So sure. brand new roster and everything. You know, this mm -hmm. it's kind of funny because like you, uh, I guess this is this is what I'm curious. This is a bit of a skew while we're at it because we've talked. You know, would you rather be West, Would you rather be West Texas or Fayetteville? Like, would you rather be the signing everyone type of team and re and putting a thing together? Or would you rather be West Texas where you can bring your own set of guys in right out of the bat? Maybe you get some signings, but you still want your core, you know? Uh, definitely West Texas because mm -hmm. you already have a core. You already know what you have. And you just basically you're upgrading positions with new signings. That's where you'd rather be. Now, starting from scratch, we've seen teams start from scratch in the NAL 
in his past and come out of the gate like two, three, and oh, bam, 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 and just completely to you know blow up. Yeah. Or you have teams like a great example, the man, the main mammoths. Like no one knew who they were. No one knew who that who that quarterback was. No one knew who that receiver was. And that receiver turned out to be Devin Wilson. That quarterback turned out to be Jonathan Bank. Um, and Maine, you know, started off the first half of the season. I think they were like two and six or something, or two and five like that. And they didn't. They finished one game below five hundred and missed the playoffs by a game. Um, that was a team built up from scratch. Now, this is unique—a team from another league coming in already with their core. San Antonio did the same thing last year. Um, they basically San Antonio came in with just we're going to have our core guys from our league, and we're not going to sign anybody. Yeah, that's basically and. It, again, they did what Man did a couple years ago. Took them time, and second half San Antonio team, no one wanted them. Like no Jacksonville didn't want them. Mm-hmm. They had played twice, you know, survived once, got beat the second time. They gave teams a, a pain in the second half. Now they're coming in their second year. Now they they know who their actual core is, and they're just getting better on, on around the team. Yeah, but if I was either Fayetteville or West Texas, I'd rather be West Texas because. You've already been there and you've already done that. You're just now in a new league. Fayetteville, you're in new charred territories because this is True. your first league, first year. True that. Yeah, chemistry does help a ton, you know. But as we said, definitely something you're you're watching out for because we got those two scenarios. But I get it. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> we're talking with San Antonio last year. You know, I think you find your stars, and then you build around those stars with more stars that you can sign on as you grow up, as you grow more into it, as they did. So. That'll be fascinating. We'll get to West Texas in a little bit. Right now, let's move down again. I'm going alphabetical by city, if you haven't told, if guys can't tell. We're going to do the Jacksonville Sharks. Head on over to Jim's team there in in northeastern Florida. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jim, I'm going to let you lead this off. This is your team, obviously. Uh, Mm -hmm. Gibson squad. It definitely is a mix of... uh, a lot of mix of new face, but a lot mm-hmm. of or a lot of new face, a lot but some old friends joining along the way. Who do you have labeled as your breakout star? Um, as a resident Jacksonville Shark fan, I can't go on without saying at least two guys that may break out. Uh, I did call. Remember, we were fast forward to a couple forty episodes ago about breakout player to watch for in twenty twenty two. I did say Nyquan Murray, and he went on to have a big time season for the Jacksonville Sharks. Yes. Um, this guy, uh, I, I, me and Zach tried multiple times to try and pronounce this guy's last name. Um, uh, his name is Shakai Hollis or Holness. Is this, Holiness. he's a defense, Holliness. Holliness uh, he, he's an O-line D lineman. Uh, he's more of like an edge rusher. Uh, he led the national arena league last year in sacks until he got hurt. And that was at Orlando. He played for the Predators. Now imagine him in a Jason Gibson defense. And Jason Gibson has had some studs on defense. He's had Corey Crawford. He's had Al Alfred. Um, he's had guys back there, Marvin Ross, but he played DB. Um, he Now he's coming to a Jacksonville defense. I said Jacksonville's front five was top tier in the NAL last year with the guys they had. Uh, you, uh and now you brought him in. He, I think he's going to have a breakout, a breakout year. When you look on the other side, you have Anthony Johnson. You have Shy Hill on the other side too, um, D-line. So Jacksonville's defense is like I've talked when I talked to Gibson months ago. He says he's building a defense that can contain mobile quarterbacks. 
not building the defense to decide to stop a certain thing. He's building defense to contain mobile quarterbacks. And if you look at the NAL, there are mobile quarterbacks everywhere. Uh, yeah. So that's, I think, his strategy. So I can already think of two, possibly three, depending on the play style of uh, the Correct. said man in Carolina. So, yeah. and, and, and another guy I think is going to have a breakout year for the Jacksonville Sharks. He's a wide receiver, a tall wide receiver from the University of Troy. His name is Reggie Todd. Uh, he was signed earlier this offseason. Um, I've watched a lot of his videos and highlights, and I've talked to Gibson about him, and Gibson loves him. And he's like, he could be that, you know, Townsend that comes out of nowhere, or he can be that Kerry Starks that comes out of nowhere that, you know, thrives under Gibson's uh, scheme. Um, so, yeah, those are the two players in the Jacksonville. And um, I can't say breakout player um, in Jacksonville without mentioning the Actually, a guy who I think uh, had a hell of a year in Orlando last year, and that's the kicker, Justino. Yeah. Uh, he's now in Jacksonville. Now, if Justino brings that same mentality, I think Jacksonville has a good chance. But as a fan, I know. I know this Jim's going to fandom. But uh, <laughs> Kyle Lee is my breakout player. But keep an eye on both uh, Justino and uh, Reggie Todd. Oh, yeah. I, I like – I like those choices. I got one that I've been following a little bit. So if you guys haven't heard, um, and I'm, there is a league fan controlled football, um, call the shots, call the plays. It's pseudo, I would call bastardized, uh, arena football, it, but I digress. What it does have is receivers and talent and someone that's been playing there two years, who I think has really built up his reputation there and, uh, is getting his next shot in a higher up league. Now in the NAL is Georgia Smith, who came from Nichols state. He apparently was a defensive back that switched to receiver in the FCF. Um, mm -hmm. It's had some solid seasons there from what I could tell with the stat wise. Again, it's their style of football is weird and it's not at all real. It's, it's the same style field, but like no kicking different stuff that doesn't, you don't go opposite directions on the field. Nonetheless, receivers do thrive there. He has been a really good option last year uh, for He's actually playing on Marshawn Lynch's team. The uh, beasts is what they're called. Um, so he's coming over. He's playing as that Iron Man product, which again, his background being a DB fits right into the mold. He's gotten two solid years of production as a receiver. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I would call an ideal candidate for a quality Iron Man player. And someone that I think has an, a good chance of stepping in and getting targets right out of the bat and making an impact on the defensive side of the ball uh, as well if you get to sub in. So I'm looking for Smith. That's that's who I'm keying in on. Honorable mention going out to uh, Jabari Gorman, mainly because I think he continues his upward trend that he had with the Empire last year, now on the Sharks. Well, we've noticed now a couple of players coming from F FCF to the NAL. And people say, oh, these play uh, players won't be successful. Look over, and I want to say Wichita a couple years ago with Trent Edwards. He was a quarterback to play FCF. He goes over there to Wichita, and they were competitive. I think they almost – they made the playoffs over there uh, with them. Uh, so yeah. there are there are some hidden gems over there. I know there's a lot of people, a lot of original arena people are like, oh, that's just gimmicky. Well, it's like NFL blitz, but with real people. Right. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's got elements of the game. It's just weirder. Like, for example, yeah. uh, one – this is the last thing I'll say on it is uh, – they, if you remember the old AFL, the original AFL days, mm -hmm. the, the AFL back in the 80s and early 90s used to have sidelines. Like yes. they used to have legit sidelines. The FCF 
has that again, which is so disorienting to me because there's still walls. So you mm -hmm. can still smack someone out of bounds and they can still get crunched into a wall, which makes me go, why not just build a wall and do what they yeah. already do? You know, but I digress. Yeah. Nonetheless, though, guys like Smith have been getting highlight. Edwards, like you said, mm -hmm. who's been making his own path elsewhere. Uh, and I believe the IFL, he's over there. That he's Those guys do ball. So... Uh, DeAndre Francois. Yeah, Francois as well. Now he's so, in the XFL. So, so, so don't look like fans. Don't look down on the FCF like, and this is an inferior league. There are players there just want to get some film, and they'll move up in the league into an NAL or other arena league or uh, the bigger leagues, XFL, USFL, or NFL. So, yeah, I'm keeping, I'm keeping an eye on him. I think he's going to have some good stuff for whoever's behind center and, and, for and, the Sharks. And, and what our third co-host, which he's not here this week, he even said that Gibson, he said Gibson is the best coach that looks for talent that he's ever been with. Like, if Gibson likes him and what get, Mason told us last week, I think he sees something in him. So, mm -hmm. again, don't look down, fans, don't look down on these other leagues because they think they are inferior. Um, there are a lot of talent in those leagues that those players just need time to get some, you know, film and get some time playing so they can move up. Absolutely, dude. He, he, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. You know, good that he's getting up to a next level here in the NAL. Now we're going to move on down a little bit south of Jacksonville, we'll head on to the rival Orlando Predators here and talk about the Preds pickups. And this one I'll preference. This is me leading off and um, maybe not an apology tour thing, but I will at least say that I've, that I've looked into the Preds QB scenario a little bit more um, and had some people clarify to me that John Sheehan does have a chance to be a breakout QB option. Um, he had some pretty solid numbers in the IFL for the Green Bay Blizzard. Um, Preds picked them up, and again, they have a ton of receiving talent. Again, we ranked them as the best receiving crew in in the NAL, and I stand by that mark, by the way. So uh, that being said. Uh, I think Sheehan, I like I said, I put, we we all ranked him at se we all ranked that QB room at seven with him being on that room, mm -hmm. but I will also put a caveat saying, hey, I will not be surprised if I am eating crow by come mid season if this guy comes out and slings it like he was doing because all you need is someone that has solid experience for the Preds, and that offense can fly. They got great talent across the board. Orlando is really poised to make a jump as long as she, as long as John Sheehan, who is the main QB on this roster right now, if he's the guy, he's got to make that leap. And I'm hoping that I, I am, if I eat crow because of that, I'm okay with it. That's the thing. You know, Preds fans will be happy that I do too mm -hmm. <laughs> at that point. <laughs> Hopefully uh, they don't have another EJ Hilliard happens to him. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't, you can't confirm or deny anything on yeah. that. And there's still some time till training camp, but you know, this guy, you know, after looking up and getting some people clarifying, hey, this is what he did mm -hmm. last year to me again, I'm back, like I said, I'm kind of backtracking going, you know what? They might not be as bad. They might not have to worry as much on that position as I thought they would. Well, I think he's the I think he's the quarterback that did that 30-yard run at the end of the overtime. Like he hiked the ball and he was running the circles in the back and he just chucked it up to the at the end. And I think it ricocheted off the back of the wall. And one of the Green Bay guys caught it, and I think it was like a Hail Mary, but it was so weird. I think that's him. I, I believe you are right. Oh, okay. I'm well, not. I'm not 100 percent on that. On well, that, uh, thing there. Again, like we said, their receiving core 
Uh, you look up and down, it's elite level for the arena league level. Right. Sheehan threw 40 touchdowns in the IFL last year. So that's pretty, that's good. That's solid. You have a decent, you have a decent quarterback in Orlando, above average quarterback in Orlando. That's an eight win team because of that roster. Correct. Period. I mean, Uh, yeah. And again, like we said about Albany, it's going to be hard to find breakout players on these teams where you have guys who are coming back from injury. I could say Brandon Fuentes is my breakout player. He broke out last year and he got hurt. I could say Josh Jenkins is a breakout, but you can't say he's breakout because he's broke out the last two years. Yes. Um, you, you can't say Lonnie Outlaw because he broke out two years ago again with the Columbus Lions. And you look at this team and then you go, what about Dangerfield? Well, he broke out with the New Jersey flight. What about Larry Beavers? Well, same thing. You look at that team and you go, who in the heck can I – well, do I want to go D-line? Do I want to go all – do I want to go Daquan Murray? Do I? Um, but you just look at this team and I found one receiver on this team who – Started to do it, Brett. He's like, he opened the door, said, hey, I'm here. But the door closed because he had other ventures last year. Um, and that is, again, wide receiver Prince Chinola. Um, He then, I think, went to San Diego. And I think he tried to attempt to get into the USFL, I think, last year. But Stiles stayed down and with the strike force, if I get that correct. Yeah, he was with the strike force. And then he was in both. Uh, draft pools for the USFL and the XFL. Then he came back past year, and he came back to the uh, uh, NAL again. Like we stated last year, Orlando had his rights. If he came back to NAL, he, had, he can only go to back to one team. I think he'll fit fine. I think he has a breakout year. Uh, but guy again, semi breakout year to watch for. It's coming off of injury. If this guy's cooking like he did last year, look for Brian Fuentes to. Beak shines, Orlando's in great position. Like Orlando's one of those teams you look at, like we talked about with Carolina last year. Like their roster is loaded. There's a couple mm-hmm. pieces that need to be, you know, switched or mixed and they can really accelerate. That's going to be a question. Does uh, Sheehan uh, step in and become that quarterback that they need to really spark something? So it'd be something exciting. Um, but again, like you mentioned before, uh, I, I've after I did our rankings and power rankings and started doing the numbers, I look back at that roster again, look at the players. I'm like, um, yeah, they're still number one team. And I know we're considered talking heads in the business. Um, arena league sometimes talking heads, um, have a non-biased opinion about rosters throughout the leagues. Mm-hmm. And I still believe no matter what match player by player, Orlando has the number one receiving core in the league right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. look at the roster. It, it's, are they the best team in the league? Don't know that position group. Yes. Um, and I look at Larry Beavers laughing, uh, Tyrone laughing house, Lonnie outlaw, Shinola, Brandon Frentes, uh, just, uh, Justin Jenkins. And the list goes on and on and on. It's they're six to seven deep. And that's very hard to do in an arena football. Um, I don't, and no matter what league it is, it's just very difficult to do. A very talented team in Orlando. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, my secondary bracket breakout player would be uh, Brandon Fuentes because I want to see if he recovered from his injury. Um, if he's 100% Brandon Fuentes, I think that's going to be a deadly secondary as well. Yeah, Herky Walls has a lot of talented pieces that he has in that mm-hmm. roster. Um, execute th- your, your rookie season as a head coach uh, there, and you could be taking the Preds back to the playoffs. That is uh, one team – 
that I think has the most potential to make a year-over-year leap to us is definitely the Orlando Predators. Going to be, I think, I think Preds fans should be. I think we are hoping it's going to be a good season for them. That's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. So, I think it's going to be good for them. Oh, I think I think it's they're going to be much improved than last year. Yes, I, I just think, I think you're absolutely right. Remember, they did go through an injury bug last year that really True. deflated them. Fuentes so. being out did not yeah. help the cause whatsoever and for that. And they were doing you know musical chairs with the quarterbacks for three or four weeks and by the finally time they got the Cato to stay with Cato, they finally got better, but they were so far out of the bad then it just like you get a win maybe and then they go on like a four game losing streak. I think they ended the season on like a five game losing streak. But those losses they weren't getting killed. It was just close losses. They were playing competitive football. It was just they it took too long for them to get organized. And by the time they did it was almost a little too late. But you look at their schedule. Um, they have to win that home game early because they get that long road trip right in the middle of the year. Right. Um, then they get a nice extended homestand at the end of the year. So if they can get to the homestand in the second half of the year, they can feast, especially with that roster. Yeah. I think you are on to something. All right, guys. Probably. Leading off, leading off here, the two Texas teams are going to kick off with San Antonio going over the Gunslingers over at the Freeman Coliseum. Uh, as we know, our good friend Jonathan Baines over there, Clee Rashad still heading on over there. You know, Phil Barnett's going to be back. Uh, a lot of key pieces uh, mm-hmm. to that team, one that ended on a pretty strong finish at the end of the season, just couldn't get all the pieces to work out at the right time and just missed the playoffs. Um, Jim, who do you have as your breakout candidate for the Gunslingers? Uh, my breakout candidate for the Gunslinger, Kyle Rashad. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> You're part two. He's gonna do yeah, it more than he's gonna do week. it again. <laughs> Run it back. Um, Run it back. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna choose a guy who's been around the league a while. Um, he got buried in the depth chart. I want to say in Albany last year, uh, north of Hobbs. I think he can become a clear-cut star in the uh, San Antonio this year. I think his veteran and his veteran mindset is something that San Antonio, I think, will thrive on and need. Uh, as you know, San Antonio was that team that no one wanted to play last year towards the end of the year, and I think if they had more veteran leadership in the back end, I think they would have been a, a more more of a playoff contender. Even though they were playoff contenders, they would have been more in the mix than they were. Uh, but I think Arthur Hobbs, I think he, he – he was a player that shined at moments last year in Albany. It's just that the talented roster Albany had last year, there's just not a lot of places for him to, you know, take over. But I think down in San Antonio, he could be the star player that can have the breakout year. And also my secondary guys, guys show love for the kicker, Drew Parsons. Drew Pearsons, I think, is the other breakout player for the San Antonio uh, Gunsling. I almost said the Galaxy. Who the heck are the San Antonio Galaxy? San Antonio Galaxy. Um, uh, the San Antonio Gunslingers. Uh, but, yeah, I think Arthur Hobbs is a breakout player with the kicker. Guys should love the kicker sometimes. But, yeah. Mm. Hey, I like – I dig it. I dig it. Hobbs, like I said, I think he's in a position where he's going to be – he's going to have a good spot to lean on and get mm-hmm. more more production. Like I said, last year he had a little – he had a bit where he was kind of put back towards – at least preferenced other players were put in front and they were gearing for a championship in Albany. Um, to me, I'm going with a guy that was with them last season for their first year, uh, Cody Brooks. I think that, you know, the fullback linebacker for the for the Gunslingers, I think he has potential to break out. 
Um, had a had I would say he had, had some had a few starts here or there last season. Um, you know, I think listing list him as fullback. You know, I think you're going to see him get a little bit more production this year. Um, and I he was flying. I said I remember him flying around quite often, at least for the Gunslingers last last season, where I think he can have a little bit more emphasis on the defensive end of the ball. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm looking for uh, Thornton Chandler, who at Tarleton State, a uh, defensive back who's a rookie coming in for just the DB position. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cut and dry there. <laughs> well, we we can be we can go easy. Go oh, breakout player Jonathan Bain, breakout player yeah, Phil Barnett. That would be kind of that would be cheating if I said Jonathan yeah. Bain. Yeah, <laughs> Cali Rashad. Yeah, okay. Um, but that it's San Antonio, like we mentioned before, uh, they lacked experience earlier last year, and it and once they started gaining experience, once they started settling down, they were getting better, and that's when we saw. Players that were players like Kyle Rashad rise, uh, Creamer rise, uh, Cody Brooks at times last year, and that's when you saw Robert Kent really step up um, and calm that offensive uh, offense down. And Shaw, you know, have corrected it and turned the team around. They were at one point zero and five, I think, last year, and then they finished with four wins. So that yeah, they did they did enough to turn around the season. Now let's just see if they can get out of the gate. And except for sluggish start, get out of the gate hot and see if they can not just be a team that's outside looking in, but be one of those teams that's in the tournament um, come uh, August. They, they, I would say they're another one I'm pretty confident with some of their pickups that you'll be you'll be talking about them possibly. Mm-hmm. You know, playoff playoffs are going to be pretty competitive this year. Uh, just a lot higher, even a lot higher talent floor to begin the season than last year, in mm-hmm. my opinion. You know, gunslingers aren't playing catch up. They're going to be ready to go day one. And that fan base will be ready to go day one, too. Uh, yes. I highly suspect that that home, that home opener for them is going to be loud and rowdy uh, the way that they ended the year. So can't wait to see what the gunslingers fan base brings to the table. And let's wrap things up with the new Texas NAL team coming in, the West Texas Warbirds. Remember, undefeated West Texas Warbirds technically in their in their franchise history. So this is, uh, this is fat, you know, had to tell that coming in fascinating stuff. And they got some pretty solid talents on this roster too, new and old, as we already know, Carrie Starks is over here on this roster. They signed Daniel Smith just mm-hmm. recently to QB as well. Um, so they've got, as I said, they got people that here that are going to make an instant impact as well. They have Svante Davenport as well. Who's on there. Uh, 2017 second team all NAL defensive back. Uh, my guy, though, is one. I was looking at West Texas, like we were talking about, similar to how San Antonio came in last year. Who's that dude that's going to come in and be that star player that was on the roster from prior iterations? Mm-hmm. And my guy is Jalen Childress. Uh, 5'7", receiver DB. Dude's a little speedster. Had impact plays pretty much all, at least every game last season that I could find on West Texas's roster. Um I see him as very much a Khalil Rashad archetype. I think he can be that dude that makes you miss on the turf, makes you look kind of silly, finds those alleyways, and blows by you for a deep bomb down the right or left sideline. He's my candidate right now. Like I said, some of the videos and hi- some of the videos, highlights, and write-ups I've read from games, he does make an impact every single game, and I very much suspect he will be too. His size, people will question, but as a receiver. I definitely think he holds up his end of the bargain and he will surprise some people. 
For me, uh, to have a breakout player, you sometimes you got to have a new player, and the new player who just recently signed is Daniel Smith, quarterback. Mm. Uh, he does have some history in the National Arena League. He played seven games last year with the Columbus Lions. He threw for around 750 yards, 21 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Uh, he came in and really, I want to say, settled down um, Gibson's offense then. Again, back then last year, it was – Completely a carousel of quarterbacks that went through uh, Columbus. Mason Espinoza, Darren Daniel, Danny Southwick, Darren Daniel. Um, then him, uh, Daniel Smith came in to finish out the year um, before Mason came back towards the end of the year. Uh, I think this is. I think this could be Daniel Smith's team. I think he's talented enough to take over and become the head guy in charge. And for a team that has a lot of new guys and new faces uh, for the NAL, a veteran like Daniel Smith coming in and settling down a team entering a new league could benefit uh, West Texas, similar to what Robert Kent did with San Antonio. So I think that is a good possible chance for West Texas if they want to get off to a good start, especially you want that veteran type of quarterback go up against a veteran type of team led by a coach that's been there and done that in Gibson week one when the Sharks go visit them to start the season. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's also a good option, man. And I mean, like West Texas, like I said, you're going to be analyzing a lot of, you know, either new faces or at least ones that played previously. Like I said, they're, you're very much this year. We're trying to treat them like the gunslingers where, you know, keep an eye out, try and dig back and see who's going to be that guy. You know, mm -hmm. they still have J. Ru Campbell on that roster as well, but like they've, bolstered up their QB room, by the way, uh, yeah. with outside talent. Besides Smith, Chris Barrett, who's been in several other smaller and uh, indoor leagues as well, uh, has experience too. So they're, they're getting a pretty veteran indoor QB room set up too um, with guys that have played this system. So, you know, Coach Tate has a good reputation out there. Um, I'm looking forward to what they can put out there. Again, it's going to be a really competitive year. Um I think looking across the board as the season's gone on, there like we had our earlier opinions on some teams that didn't have certain rosters filled pieces filled. Um, it's getting harder to decipher who's going to be the weaker, the weaker of the seven teams in this league mm -hmm. as the days have gone by, because uh, there's been good additions across the board through the last two months. Of course, and you're you're going to expect some some more signings like that over the next couple of weeks as training camp nears as. Yeah, we enter March. We're basically in training camp, and season starts the first week of April. So, we're we're getting to the actually we're getting to crunch time when the season begins itself. Yeah. Um, and it's gonna be it's it, for people who are being reintroduced to the sport. Um, this is similar rule. This is the same rules that you've known before. Uh, you're gonna have seven teams. You're gonna have original names here, and you're gonna have team and players that you'll remember. Um, and you expect that you'll see some familiar faces in different places, but you'll see the teams that you expect to shine, shine. Um, but yeah, in this league, it's going to be like, there's again, we have question marks everywhere. It's still in this league. Can Albany three peat uh, NAL champions? Uh, how is Carolina going to rebound from last year? Is San Antonio going to make that next step? Is Jacksonville going to reload? Is Orlando elite that one player away from being a really contender? And of course, expansion team Fayetteville, what are they? Uh, yeah. A lot of those questions are going to happen, but 
with the show coming to this end, we did do something last week that uh, ruffled feathers around the league. Um, from from out west, I've seen Kerry Starks make comments. I've seen Alani Outlaw make comments. I've seen a couple of players from Albany make comments. I've seen it, it. That's the one thing, the reason why that we do these things called power rankings. And again, a lot of the players I've seen post stuff like, man, these guys are acting full. They don't know what they're talking about. We're not doing power rankings based on one player or based on positions because it was an overall stat that we were doing. Um, and our final power rankings, how we did it, we did each group. We did quarterback room, wide receiver room, DB room, or wide receiver DB, O-line, D-line, uh, linebackers, running backs, special teams, and we crammed it up all in there. And we did a point system where the first place team got 10 points based on me, Mason, and Zach's numbers. And the last place team, seventh place team, only got one point. So all the points manufactured and came together and created the final ranking of the preseason power rankings. We will do an updated power ranking maybe two weeks before the season. So we have this is the preseason power ranking. And then when the season begins, we're going to do something unique. We are not going to do – we're going to do a weekly power ranking like we did last year. Yep. But we're not doing all seven. We're going to do top four, our power four ranking. Um, so it'd be more intriguing, more interesting how the rankings goes because it's seven teams in the league – and showing the team who's seventh place, seventh place throughout the year is going to be ticked at us. Just ask the San Antonio Gunslinger fans last year. Why are we still down here? Well, you haven't done anything. And then they end up finishing. I think they finished fifth in the power rankings last year or yeah, fourth. My, my way of thinking of this is think of it like college football where mm -hmm. you might be we, – we're given votes and yeah. we just essentially that's our top four. So, you know, moving forward, that's what we'll do. Just for that, I mean, you know, and, and again, it's a, you know, like I said, I feel like sometimes we get people that feel like, oh, you're disrespecting. Well, no, you got to. I mean, if you yeah. people like these rankings, we just we have to put someone at seven, six, you know, things yeah. like that. So, I feel like this is the this is the best middle ground. You know, you can then argue among the three that aren't there themselves who might be that lower, yeah. but you know. That's just how we're doing it moving forward. But speaking of the final power rankings, uh, for the ones on YouTube, it's on the screen right now. Uh, for the ones who are listening to podcast platform, this is how it follows. In first place with 91 points is the Albany Empire. Second place is the Jacksonville Sharks at 71. Third place is Caroline Cobras at 68. Fourth place is San Antonio at 62. Um, Orlando at fifth at 51. Uh, six is West Texas with 34, and seven is the Fayetteville uh, Mustangs with 31 points. If you look at that, ladies and gentlemen, you can tell between two and four of uh, those three teams are so close to each other in the rankings. And if you look at all of our position, how we did our rankings and position power groups and power rankings between groups, you could tell how like it was similar between four teams that kept flip flopping. That's why the polls like that. So the Albany Empire will enter the preseason before camp as the number one team. Like they should, they are defending champions. Um, 
But again, number two, number three, number four, that is Jacksonville, that is Carolina, that is San Antonio. Those three teams are going to be a mix in there. And the pesky Predators right there at number five. So there's going to be that classic term I use on past shows. If you remember last season, the muck. The muck will return again to the NEL again, uh, which will be, depending on how big the muck will be this year, will determine how the season is going. Um, with that, wrapping up, ladies and gentlemen, like I've, like we said earlier in the show, if you're going to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, that's at Pod. On YouTube, it's simple. Just look inside the Walls Podcast. And speaking of that, I know if you've noticed, if you're watching on YouTube, we've we've just passed a milestone on the podcast this year, and it, it's it, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, Inside the Wall Podcast has passed fifteen thousand downloads. We have reached all fifty states, uh, seventeen countries. Uh, we have been ranked four times on iTunes as the top three hundred football podcast. Remember. We're an arena football podcast, and we're ranked in the top 300 against NFL podcast shows that consist of ESPN, Fox, name brand shows. We were in there four times. Yeah, I'll take my, you know, my 280, 285, my 290, and my the highest rank we've ever been was uh, 211. I'll take that any day of the week, um, but that's because of you, the listeners. Also, based on iTunes, we are the most downloaded arena football podcast um, in 2021 and in 2022. That's 15,000 downloads. I want to just say thank you to the fans and the listeners. Uh, this is We're entering our third season, so this is our third year doing this. Um, and it's you know an honor. Uh, we took over a mantle or a, a position that uh, was left behind by some, and me and Zach basically said, this sport deserves coverage. This league deserves coverage. These players deserve coverage. And we took that. And I want to say to the football, the, the community out there from arena, a community that, you know, has been through the trials and tribulations these last couple of years with all these leagues. Uh, thank you for having in Walsh pod as one of your uh, desired podcasts to listen to for arena football content. I really appreciate it. And thank you for allowing us to do it. Thank you for listening to us banter about the national arena league. And I really, uh, again, I thank you to the fans who've listened. Our most listened city. I do have that set. You won't see it on the screen. I have it right here. I forgot to add it. The most listened city for the Inside the Walls podcast will surprise people. Will surprise people. Okay. Columbus, Georgia wow. was the number one city. Number two was the Albany area, depending on where you are in the country. Albany or Albany uh, is how it's pronounced. Um, number three, this is a shocker. This city does not even have a NAL team. They're not even on the East Coast. Right after Jacksonville, at number four, San Jose. Really? Was the most listened to, the top five in our, our charts. That's fascinating, you know, given San Jose's history with the sport. Yeah. So apparently there was an arena football fan that liked our podcast who just listened to us. So most, most appreciate it. And number five was Orlando. They wrapped up our top five, then six, seven, eight, all those were former San Antonio's there. Also a Greensboro's there. So I count that's Carolina too. So uh, there's a mixture and a couple from Boston. So Massachusetts fans probably. So okay. again, without you, the listeners out there, um, these 
me and Zach launched this podcast to just have fun. And three years later, 15,000 downloads, slashing views on YouTube and everything. It, it's, it's an honor. It's a tribute. Um, we've been here for three years doing it. And now that the community is coming alive again, we're still here and we're happy that you're coming back. Um, and let's enjoy the ride because we got football this year and NAL uh, cover. And let's see what the future uh, holds for us. But again, we couldn't do it without you, our listeners, and to the fans of the seven organizations and eight organizations that were in the National Arena League that have supported us over the last three years. I really appreciate it. Let the good times roll, as they say. It's going to be another great year in the in the NAL with again the original arena setup back for the mm -hmm. first time since 2019. It's a feel, it's going to feel real great. And we still yes. got, like I said, we still got to wait a little bit, but it is right around the corner, man. Less, less than two months out. How crazy well, is that? Less than two months out. So you can honestly say this, ladies and gentlemen, you can watch the whole entire, not, not really the all, all entire XFL season, but a lot of it before the arena starts. And when we start, we start, the first week in April and we end, I still haven't got the confirmation yet. If it's still August 12th weekend or the August 18th weekend. Um, but my bet is still August 18th, uh, with the bye week between the playoff game and the championship game. So you're going to have arena content from us every single week until at least past the NAL championship game in August. So yeah, it's exciting. So remember us, follow us, on Twitter. We're very active on Twitter, very active on Instagram. And to our new subscribers, thank you for subscribing. To our new followers on all of our social media platforms, thank you. Really appreciate it. There's a lot more to come. Uh, without you guys, we won't be doing this here. And without Zach, uh, I won't be doing this here. But thank you for making Inside the Walls podcast um, your most listened to arena podcast over the last two years. Really do appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. And I guarantee the same for Zach. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, <laughs> I, I, I have been blown away by the feedback on this show um, mm -hmm. and the people I've gotten to meet along the way and to do the show with you, Jim, that that's yeah. also, that's also a nice, a nice reward I get to have doing this. You know, someone that has as much passion for this sport as I do, that that's yes. something you don't see, you don't get to do that every day with someone. So thank you for that too. And again, thank you to the fans out there. Uh, with that being said, I think that's about going to wrap it up for, our latest episode of Inside the Walls. Catch us next week. We are going to be doing team breakdowns one by one as we lead closer to the season. That should begin next week. We are in the process of building that up. So stick around as, again, we're back to week-by-week -week basis of shows. So you're going to get us every week from now on uh, dropping, well, really towards the end of the week as we go along. So catch us on the next one in episode 84 thanks for tuning in follow us on social at in walls pod subscribe to this channel click that bell build yourself some morale and help us out too and catch you later everybody stay tuned until the next one about the 50 yard fight and about this great league that is bringing back arena football covering all your favorite parts of the 50 yard fight this is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier.